This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paul Hawksby. And Charlie Baker. And this is the HNJ Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Obviously, the, the today's show overshadowed by the sad death of John Motson, who's someone that Andy and I were very fortunate to spend a couple of days a week with for two seasons when he would come in and preview and review the Premier League mm. weekend. So... Uh, Andy joined us, broke his holiday to, to join us because he wanted yeah, to pay nice. his tribute to, to Motti today. As did Jonathan Pierce, um, expressly asked to come on and pay his respects, the, the fine BBC commentator, a man who knew him well. It was a lovely tribute from Jonathan. Um, away from that, of course, we had the boxing to look forward to. Don McGuinness was live from Saudi yeah. and joined us. Hotting up out there, hotting up for the fight point. Yeah. That wasn't a pun on this the Live on TalkSport, of course, on Sunday, Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Um, so I think that, should, uh, that should just about do. Here it all is. <laughs> Everyone, good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Paul. Very, very sad day. Yeah, very, very sad day. If you're in, yeah. if you like broadcasting, if you like football, if you like life, you know. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly sad, and and um, we're going to reflect on Motti's life over the next three hours. Um, and joining us now, breaking off from his holiday to to chat about Motti, because Andy and I were very privileged to spend a couple of years um, working with Motti twice a week, a regular guest on a Monday and a Friday to reflect on the uh, football weekend and look ahead to the next one. Uh, and yeah, Andy joins us now. Hi, Andy. Andy. Hi, Paul. Hi, Charlie. Yeah, what a what a sad day. Uh, I can't believe I woke up this morning to, to, to hear the news and like everybody else, I'm absolutely gutted. I really am. He was, he was a lovely, lovely man. I, I so enjoyed working with him and, you know, we, we had fun with him, Paul, didn't we? We did. And, and I, you saw that thing about, you know, uh, felt prepared prepared to fail and even though by osmosis he knew loads about football and he soaked all this stuff up mm. and he had everything at his fingertips he would off he'd get in touch with us wouldn't he on the morning of a show and say I want to talk about this I want to talk about that are we going to be he wanted everything to be right when he when he came on air he didn't just rock up and do it well that probably won't come as a surprise when you look at his commentary notes which people will be aware of I'm sure Absolutely. The meticulous presentation aided by dear Anne, of course, his, his wife yeah. who helped him very much. And I, I just cherish certain moments going through the, my photo gallery, finding photos from Cheltenham. It wasn't just football. He was always a regular guest at Cheltenham. And he let me wear his sheepskin one year, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, really a great honour. And, yeah. uh, and just, he's just such a lovely man. And, uh, it's it's hard to believe. It's hard to take in, really. I, I just I also cherish. Do you remember? Because when he first came on the show, Paul, he he wasn't quite sure how to deal with us and we to deal with him. And then after a few weeks, it worked really well. And he just gave us his book, and I cherish the note he yeah. wrote in his about how welcome we'd made him and how he'd helped. You know, from a man like that, it was a a great honour. No, it, really it was, was humbling, and and that was the interesting thing, was it? He'd spent all those years in the world of commentary, and he'd he'd retired from the world of commentary, and Talksport approached him to to do this show, and we knew him a bit through through meeting him at Cheltenham, and just over the years, we you came across him on Fantasy Football, I did on 
on 90 minutes so we, we kind of knew each other to say hello to and to chat to at, at racing but we never worked together and there was that little bit of, I don't want to call it insecurity but fear of the unknown he'd, he'd not work with us and as yeah. you say it did take a few weeks for us to to settle in but um, no it was just I mean I was saying to Jim and to Alex earlier on uh, Charlie it was like you'd have these you know the first couple of times we did it mm. there's just these pinch yourself moments yeah. it's just you know you're kind of sitting there and yeah. you're, you're not really listening because you're thinking it's Motti. Yeah. It's John Motson. Yeah. It's the Ronnie Radford commentary. It's still Ricky Veer. It's all these moments of my life. If you're a football fan or a sports fan, he's the soundtrack to your life, yes. isn't it? You know, he sort of pops up in your brain when you're when you're when you when you were me and you're playing football in the playground and you're commentating on yourself. You're doing it in his voice, you know. Yeah. So to actually meet him a couple of times and for him to say my name yeah. <laughs> was a real thrill, a real privilege, you know. Just and and also, I think he's a good example of being yourself. He was never overly slick, but he was always knowledgeable. Yeah. And he was always himself and full of character, you know, and, and that makes him one of the greats, you know. I particularly recall a wonderful show we did with him in the pandemic when there was no football. Yeah. Those shows were really, really hard to do. And he came in and just, it was a nostalgia fest, but he was absolutely wonderful. And mm. I really enjoyed that show. I remember it pretty well. So you probably do too as well, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I, I, I did a live show with him in a theatre in London. And mm. we spent a kind of couple of hours just putting all the stories that he wanted to tell in that oh, live nice. show together. So I made, I made lots and lots of notes. And I found the notes today about some of the weird and wonderful uh, things that he used to do in his early days. Um, David Coleman was his. He was kind of slightly in fear and in awe of David Coleman, another one of the greats, of course. But he hey. recommended John to the BBC. He heard him do some work on BBC Radio. He started out in radio, so it was kind of coming back to radio yeah, for sure. Motti, which is, I think, why he enjoyed it. But um, to, the BBC they took on board what David Coleman said, but they still wanted him to do a dummy commentary on a game Oof. that was never broadcast. And yeah, if he tough. did a good job, they'd give him more work. So obviously he did. And and the the game against Hereford, when he when he talked about that, Andy, it was. Mm. I mean, he yeah. he was very aware it was a sliding doors moment for him because he was supposed to have. He said to me, "I'm gonna, I'll get." They said, "You'll probably get three or four minutes at the end of match of the day because the feeling was this replay was going to be a routine yeah, win for Newcastle. Yeah. You know, a great side at that time, and uh, of course it was the biggest story. It was the first match on match of the day yeah. and he travelled to the game with some of the Hereford players because Ricky George who scored one of the goals afterwards was interviewed by one of the newspapers and they said to him how did you get here meaning what was your route to this round of the competition and he said oh I came in the car with Motti <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean and he said he went back afterwards and went round to one of the Hereford players houses to watch match of the day oh, had a really? couple of cans and watch match of the day to watch it all back afterwards and they drove all the way back yeah. to to where he lived over in sort of uh, North London to watch the games. The so. pressure of those big moments never seemed to get to him. You know, he, he, yeah. he, he commentated on those big England games, you know, Euro 96, England, Scotland. Yeah. And, and the, you know, we all know that the, the, the uh, crazy gang of beating the culture club, you know, yeah. coming up with those lines in those pressure moments. It, it's, it's amazing. And he, he always told us, Andy, didn't he, that they, they weren't rehearsed. There is a feeling that people think, well, you've got that one in your locker, John. But he always claimed... And I, I would always believe him. He said, no, it just came to me at the spur of the moment. There was one just now I was listening to, Michael Owen getting his hat-trick against Germany mm -hmm. in the 5-0. And he just it's clever and he says, oh, this is getting better and better and better. You know, the three betters for yeah. the hat-tricks. Little things like that, as we said, were yeah, set him apart, absolutely. I think. And his relationship with Barry Davis. I mean, people thought they were great adversaries but of course they were rivals they were rivals for the big big games but they were also pretty close weren't they at the end no absolutely they were and Barry did a documentary didn't he when he retired a few years back on the Beeb and talked about that rivalry yeah. although I did once speak to the, the, the guy who was the producer on the World uh, Cup coverage when he had to tell Motti they were giving Barry the final I mean he said it's yeah. the toughest thing he's ever had yeah. to do I mean John had done all the finals for such a long time and then he said yeah. that, you know that difficulty of kind of managing that because they all, all of them wanted the top games all of the time I mean those two are the same it's like having Messi and Ronaldo at the same time or Rafa, yeah. Rafa Nadal and, and uh, Roger Federer at the same time to have two greats like that 
the same time, yeah. uh, incredible. incredible. So, yeah, I mean, as I said, we wanted to, this afternoon's show to be as much of a kind of celebration of, of, of Motley and what he did mm. because, he, as I said, he was the soundtrack of our lives, mm. isn't he? And, he? and I think he transcended the ages. I mean, we remember him very early on in the, around that sort of 71 period. It's hard to believe he didn't do a live commentary till... It, that's 1971, he gets his first big break. He doesn't do his first live commentary on a football match for 90 minutes till 1977, the Amazing. FA Cup final. Amazing. So it just highlights on Match of the Day for all that period. We, You know, people now got so used to seeing 90 minutes live games all the time, Andy, they didn't realise that, that 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 wasn't the way football was consumed then. Have we lost him? Hello, Andy. I was delighted to find out that his dad had taken him to Chelsea when he was young. So. That's right. He never let that show whoever he supported. So he w- was part. well, everybody used to think he was a Tottenham fan. Yeah, but he he told me he wasn't much disappointed as I was. <laughs> First game he ever went to was with his dad. He was born in Salford, Motty, which not a lot of people realise. And he went and watched Manchester United. That was the first game. But he was a regular at Watford, wasn't he? He'd often come in on a Friday and he, he took in a game. You know, he was a real enthusiast. And yeah. we'd say, you're going to a game tomorrow, Motty? And invariably say, yeah, I'm, I'm off to Watford because it was quite close to home and they always invited him along. But He'd take in different games, uh, wouldn't he, Andy? Say, get off to Oxford, or he'd just be a guest. I mean, he was always very welcome in the in the directors' boxes uh, all around the game. One of the memories I've got of him as well is that famous shot of him standing in the snow mm. reporting yeah. what game it was. But that's a really memorable image of him as well. Well, funny enough, Stuart Roy Clark, who took that memorable photo, is going to join us later on because the sheepskin did become quite iconic. We've got a little sheepskin story for you later on. And as Andy said, we'll put we'll send that picture out. Um, yeah, lovely. When we saw him at Cheltenham before he started doing the shows, and uh, he said, he said, can I try it on, Motty? They weighed a ton, didn't they, Andy? They were really heavy yeah. coats. <laughs> it was as long as me. That's the mad yeah. thing about it. And they were such a trademark. He'd wear them in the kind of weather you didn't really need a suit jacket. Yeah. And, and he'd have a dab on, you know. Because I think, John, you, why are you car wearing... car dealer chic, wasn't Why it, are yeah. you wearing this? <laughs> but they were such... I mean, he, and he had this whole collection of them, in lots and lots of different, different colours. So. Fantastic. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Stuart Roy Clark joins us a little bit later on. Gary Newbond's with us shortly. Andy, thank you. We'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks. Thank you. That's uh, Andy Jacobs, of course, who'll be returning, not next week, but the week after, after his break. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're reflecting on the sad news this morning that uh, John Motson has passed away aged just 77. Yeah, he was, was with us in the studio sort yeah. of only a, a year or so ago on a regular basis, and it was always always great to see him. You, you, I mean, you just said off air, um, when... It's when people die like this. It's always a shock, and you can only imagine him walking into the studio and "Hello, boys," yeah. and, and, and yeah. you know, and, and then chatting to you about the, the weekend's games and excited. And so he's always so enthusiastic. It's that, it's that moment, isn't it, when you think yeah. like, you know, you're not going to have that conversation? I mean, no. as I said, we, we just mentioned Cheltenham, and Andy and I were saying we we talk about the guests we'd like to see at Cheltenham. We were chatting to our production team, saying, "Well." We'll see Motty. Motty's always there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll. I mean, you probably you're going to be with us at Cheltenham, and yeah. you're out and about, and you probably would have caught up with Motty and had exactly. a chat as well. So it's uh, it's hard to believe he's he's not going to be there because as uh, I'll tell you what, let's before we pay a few more tributes, let's let's take you back to 2019 at uh, Cheltenham because John loved racing. He was. I mean, I'm sure we could have easily got someone on today from the world of racing yeah, because lovely. he he went to a lot of meetings. He absolutely loved the Cheltenham Festival and would go. Certainly in the early days, for the whole week. Um, and we'd often see him there. And this is back in 2019, and uh, Motti was telling us about how he got into his other uh, great love, horse racing. My hotel last night was buzzing with people who thought they knew what was going to win. Yeah. You know, you're, you're making notes and you're thinking, well, I'll rule that one out and I'll leave that one in. But in the end, you know, it's it's fun and uh, yeah. it's not my it's not my living. It's not, it's not racing has never been my main sport. But as a fan, I love Cheltenham and I love being here. Did you ever try a racing commentary? No, you? no. I was I was once persuaded. Who was that couple that were trying out things as a partnership? 
Hale and Pace. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that right, Andy? Yeah, Hale and Pace. They, yeah. they wanted to do a commentary, and, and they came to me for advice on it. And I said, well, don't ask me for advice on racing commentary. <laughs> I'll help you with football. Yeah, yeah. Of And they actually, as part of that series, which you obviously remember, Andy, yeah. they, they did do a racing commentary. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. Uh, Rupert Bell makes it sound easy, of course. But <laughs> I mean, they're doing a lot of it through binoculars. It's very difficult. Well, I sat next to Sir Peter O'Sullivan, one of my great heroes. Yeah. At Goodwood many years ago with his binoculars, and I thought, even with binoculars, how is he doing this? I know, and if you think that, you know, I yeah. thought 22 yeah. footballers were hard. Well, it was, <laughs> it was 22 in those days, by yeah, the way, not is. 30. Um, but racing and to call them because every punter wants you to hear his, it wants to hear his horse mention, yeah. doesn't yeah, he? That's yeah. true, even yeah, if I've he's in fifth place or yeah, something. That's no, absolutely right. And, and and the concentration required by the racing common, yeah. I think it's the hardest. I've said it before. I think it's the hardest sport to do. He had a wonderful voice, Sir Peter O'Sullivan. And when you come oh. here first thing in the morning, they often play the old commentary. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what he said to me that day at Goodwood? He said, "Dear boy, the only commentary you'll be remembered for." is the one you got wrong. Oh, that's <laughs> probably right. Well, that, yeah, that's not fair. I, I would no, that, no, probably not. But <laughs> you know, he was just telling me that we were on a precipice. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's back in 2019 at Chelvin. Mm. Talking of that, uh, I remember Motti telling me that uh, amongst all the sports, he he uh, he didn't do racing, as he said. He did tennis at Wimbledon. He, he did boxing commentary in the past, and he uh, in the Olympics they roped him in the Olympics. I don't know if he did this off tube or he was there, but he said they did the Greco-Roman wrestling wow but he got the two fighters leotards mixed up and <laughs> gave the medal to the wrong country apparently <laughs> only two people in that yeah. he has to remember he had a story about Wimbledon he was he was um, doing Wimbledon tennis commentary and Jack Nicholson came into the commentary box and sat down and just started co-commentating oh, really? with him wow and at one point shouted give him the score Johnny <laughs> <laughs> here's Johnny yeah, yeah. I met this is uh, from Phil Barwa we've had lots of nice texts and tweets mm. for, from people um, from Phil Barwise, I met you and Motti at his audience with back in 2019. You mentioned it earlier, Paul. Yeah. I didn't know who I was most looking forward to meeting the most. What an old, old school gent. Had time for everyone there. It was like losing a favourite uncle. Rest in peace. No, I think that, that's been uh, a kind of common theme of the, of the tributes that have been uh, coming in. You always think of uh, Motti in the blizzard with his sheepskin. And also that commentary for Spurs and still Ricky Veer yeah, says, Dave, we will be yeah. chatting to the man who took that famous photograph of Motti in that blizzard at Wickham uh, that set him on the road to that uh, that trademark yeah. sheepskin coat. We'll chat to uh, Stuart Roy Clark a little bit. He had a few and, things, didn't he? It sort of built built this sort of legend around him, didn't he? You know, he had the yeah. Ronnie Radford goal and then and then the, the sheepskin in the snow, all the all these things that you know, put, yeah. him at, put him at the centre of, 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 of football it had yeah, to be the right sheepskin. I'll, I'll tell oh, you a really? story. I'd like to know about that. Yeah, it had to be the attention to detail. Okay. We'll tell you more about that when we chat to the photographer later on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Owen sprinting away to the left here against Lucio. Michael Owen for England. It's a great chance, and he scored. Michael Owen against Brazil in the World Cup. I mean. He was John Motson, that is his name, but we all knew him as Motti. He had no ego. This is the time to recognise what, what John Motson, what Motti was. The way he went about learning to become one of the top commentators, one of the most recognised, one, one of the greatest. Of course, Bob Wilson there paying tribute to his uh, former colleague and friend, uh, John Motson, who died earlier on today. Um, and it was interesting hearing Clive Tildesley earlier on with uh, Jim and Alex talking about how he wanted to be Motti. Yeah. You know, and uh, even you look at Clive's notes, there he admits there are similarities yeah. in the way he does his prep. I'm sure that's true of a lot of commentators. Yeah. And uh, joining us now is another fine uh, commentator of the BBC, uh, Jonathan Pierce joins us. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Not quite there at the yeah, moment. Yeah, we've got the Hello, Jonathan. Can you hear us? I think um, Gary Newborn made a good point earlier on about about there being a lot more media now, so there are a lot more commentators. Whereas, yeah, uh, when I think when we were when I was growing up, especially, and you had sort of two or three channels, not all showing football. That well, you should, that you, you would the, the cream had to rise to the top because there weren't actually too many also, opportunities. Also, then you didn't have. Uh, Commentaries uh, on all all of the games. You didn't have no. highlights of all of the games, so there were fewer commentators needed. So mm. they were a select band. I think JP can join us. Hi, Jonathan. 
Hiya, how are you doing, boys? Yeah, good, good, thank yeah, good you, thank you. Incredibly sad news today. You work, you work with Motti and, and knew him well over the years. And we just saying Clive admitting that he wanted to be Motti as a young lad and, and said, I stole a lot from him. Do you think a lot of great commentators did? I think so. I mean, I, I would say to any commentator coming into the game now, Paul, just be yourself. And that's something that Motti said to me at a very early age. We used to... I used to work with my dad up on the gantries at Bristol City filming the games for analysis purposes. We were one of the first clubs to do it. And that's where I bumped into Motti for the first time in the early sort of mid-70s. And I said, that's what I wanted to do. And he, he gave me advice then. And one of the first words of advice he said was, be yourself. Mm. And over the years, he passed on so many pieces of advice to me, not as a sort of a schoolmaster style, but, you know, in, in, in social environments. And we had many of them over the years, I can tell you with him. Um, he just, you know, he, he'd had a couple of words and uh, not necessary for the radio commentary because I had my own style on that. But when I crossed over into television, you know, he, he was always there with a word. We used to travel to away games. Um, this is pre pre-internet days and... Um, you know, you, you, you'd have to sort of forage for information on, on teams. Um, they weren't well known, as you've just said. Games weren't on television like they are now. And so you'd have to forage for information. And, and we did so with local journalists or local fans of the other club. And we'd, we'd pitch up at training sessions, just John and me, John and his sheepskin and myself in, uh, in, 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 in an old, some sort of old anorak anyway. And um, and we, we'd, we'd ask these questions, you know, and we'd, we'd cobble together our our notes and we compare notes and we swap information and he that was one thing he taught me you can't ever do enough preparation but mm. be careful how you use it if you have to leave out 95 percent of it then do so mm. and um he also he said you know be be make sure you have the right words for the right occasion john was the master of the big word for the right occasion whether it's ronnie radford or whether it's um, you know, great iconic commentary moments that he had, World Cup finals or, or or the crazy gang beats the culture club and all this sort of stuff. He was the master of the word and he had the big words for the big moments and uh, he was sort of peerless like that, I think. And, and all of it was off the cuff. It wasn't made mm-hmm. up. You can tell the ones who, who contrive lines like that because it sounds prepared and um, he, he, he never did that. And... Uh, he used to pass on his wisdom in many ways. And one of the things he, he told me, chaps, was, uh, you know, the importance of um, remembering that I was a journalist and uh, he was a written, trained written journalist and uh, I had my training and you could hear it in his commentaries. Mm. You could hear mm. the news value he had. In that way, he was a trailblazer, I think. And, um, and, and, and I remember that from him. And the importance of contacts. John John would say, always make sure you can get information on the team by speaking to the people involved. So he would go into the manager's offices beforehand, one of a rare breed who's, who's been allowed to do that. And uh, I would I would copy, you said, do people copy him? Well, I use that, you know, I, I used to go into manager's offices. Other Martin does, still does to this day, Clive does, I think. But very few of the new ones coming through do that. And it's very important for them to forage those um, those uh, for, uh, forge those contacts. John was a master at wherever we went, on those training grounds in, in Eastern Europe or far-flung places around the world, people knew Motti. Mm. So he was always welcome wherever he went, you know. And uh, he, he had his foibles. Um, it, 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 was, it was amazing. John used to go into what, they, what he called the zone. Yeah. And it was about 10 minutes before a commentary started. And he'd line all his pens up immaculately. Old school, I'm the same. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't do it on an iPad or whatever. I have my written notes there and... So, so a lot of people do, Stevie Wilson does, and others as well, Jim Proudfoot, I think that's all handwritten. And, um, you know, maybe that comes from Motti, I don't know. I, we, we all had our styles of doing things. But he'd line up all his paper and his pencils and his pens, different colour pens. Woe betide anyone. <laughs> Woe betide anyone who touched those pens or spoke to him when he was in the focus. He was that focused on that intent on doing it, on, on, on getting it right. And John always wanted to get it right. The right words for the right moment, the right commentary for the occasion. And he was, you know, I've said today already, he led, we followed. He was the joyan, he was the mentor for me. He was a a good friend and uh, I shall miss him dearly. And I was Mm -hmm. devastated by the news this morning. He, he he, He was the voice of our generation and he was, along with the Peter Alice's and Peter O'Sullivan's and John Arlott's, just a, a, ma- a master of his trade. 
And um, somebody was uh, still in love with a game. As mm. I said, Andy and I would say to him every Friday, what game are you taking in this weekend, Marty? And there, he'd always be at a match. Uh, often locally, you know, he'd be at Watford or he might go to Barnet or he might go to Oxford or whatever, or he'd go to Palace. He'd be a guest of... Because, as you said, he knew everybody, John. Uh, so... But it was great that he always still loved the game. I saw Tim Vine, the comedian, saying he saw him at Sutton just two weeks ago and had a had a chat with him there. So, he, you know, he couldn't leave the game behind. He had to take in a game, even if he wasn't commentating on it. He wanted to be in and around it all the time. Well, he loved he loved he loved the he loved the history of it, the romance of it. He loved the stories. He loved the storytellers. He was a great raconteur himself. So wherever he went, he'd listen to he'd listen to the stories from the boardroom at Sutton, wherever he was. And another thing I'd say about John is when. Um, and he taught me the importance of this as well. Say, for example, he was doing I don't know Harrogate against against a, a Premier League team in the in the you know in the FA Cup. He would make sure he went to see Harrogate two or three times beforehand. Goodness. Midweek games. He, he he'd go all over the place, you know. And um, and he he was scrupulous in that. And uh, he was great company. In in 2010, he went out to the World Cup in South Africa. He, he wasn't a commentator then. He, he went out as a sort of a historian to put it all into perspective, you know. And uh, so, I, I, you know, he had downtime between games. And I spent many an evening at a, a rooftop bar in a hotel in, in uh, Cape Town just listening to John. Listening? to John Motson, listening <laughs> to that voice, listening to his stories, wasn't I extraordinarily lucky? Yeah. Well said, Jonathan. Lovely Thanks, to Jonathan. talk to you. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Privilege. Great man he was. Jonathan Pierce there, uh, reminiscing <coughs> on uh, John Motson. I think that's one of the things. You, you felt like he was a, a, a fan with a microphone. Well, yeah. he made it sound like that, and we know how hard that is yeah. to make it sound like that. But also that he was aware of the privileged, privileged position he, he was in, to be at these big yeah. games, you know, that always came across. I now wish I'd made, uh, I'd recorded that conversation when we had that couple of hours to build up to this live show we did mm. and talk through the stuff he'd want to discuss and really wish I'd, I just, mm. I made notes. I've got, yeah. I've got the notes wow. here, I've, uh, but I really wish I'd, um, I'd recorded it now for posterity because it was really interesting. But... Um, Sam Matterface did have a great chat with Motti. It was a Motti meet, which I think believe we're going to. I think Talksport Two have played yeah, it gonna, earlier on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'll be available uh, on on Listen Again. Uh, two fine commentators having a conversation about the art of commentary. So go and check that out. John will add some great war stories. Uh, Cluffy used to love the Cluffy stories. We'll come on to those later okay, on because yeah. he had a he had a, a great relationship with Brian, but they would fall out now and again. And uh, there's a quite infamous. TV interview that he did when uh, when Brian was taking him on, but uh, he loved to do the Cluffy okay. impression. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think I heard. That. Maybe we'll yeah. come on to some of those stories a little bit later on. It's uh, Paul Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on Talksport, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Losing never comes into my head, and especially about Jake Paul. No matter how many times me and him has been scheduled to fight, never ever once has it ever come into my head that he's going to beat me. Oh, he's down again, and that is it. Jake Paul with a first round destruction. You know, he's unprofessional, he's a flake, he's not a serious businessman, he's not a serious fighter. Yes, uh, Sunday night we bring you the fight between uh, Jake Paul and uh, Tommy Fury. Um, there's been a lot of build-up to this one, yeah. of course. A lot of trash talk. Yeah. And we'll find out. I'm in into it, but we're buying it. We're going to watch it. Yeah. yeah well, you, don't, you don't need to buy it. You can listen for free. I, I, obviously, I'll be watching it and then having it on the radio. Well, you'll hear the dulcet tones of our next guest, your commentator for the fight, Dom McGuinness. Hi, Dom. How you doing, fellas? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you as well from the press conference venue, which is going to start in just less than an hour. But it's been a busy, busy less than 24 hours that the TalkSport team's been in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia as well. But we've just actually hot-tailed it across town from the Four Seasons, where Spencer Oliver's just done a fabulous exclusive with Jake Paul in his hotel suite. And I can tell you as well, that hotel is currently the home of a certain Cristiano Ronaldo as well. So oh, he's mixing a good company, Jake Paul. Where we are, uh, we've already sat down with Tommy Fury as well. It's been really interesting, actually, looking at the two fellas and the body language of both of them as they go into what is the biggest night of their boxing lives. Well, yeah, Spencer Oliver caught up with Jake Paul. As you say, Listen, we're going to bring you a little excerpt of that now. He caught up with him ahead of the fight and Spencer asked Jake Paul about a potential fight against Carl Frotch. <laughs> He sounds desperate for money. Like, really. It's like a money play. Like, he's already envisioning that we're fighting in his head and trying to get the bag. He probably, like most boxers, uh, spent his his money um, improperly. Look, let let Carl uh, fight Anderson Silva. If you can get through Anderson Silva, which I bet you can't, then me and you will fight. I guarantee it. Fight Anderson Silva first. Prove yourself because you're older. Let's see if you can actually still bang. Uh, I'm going to get through Tommy. You get through Anderson, and that'll be a big fight. But as far as I'm concerned, not a single person in the United States knows your name. So fighting Anderson Silva would help you build up that uh, reputation, and that's that's my offer. So you've been through the UFC, the ex-champions of the UFC, and you, you believe you can do the same against the likes of like Cole Froch? For sure. I, I just don't even think he can get through Anderson Silva. And him versus Anderson's a big fight. Um, so, But if he proves that he could do that, I I put this uh, on my word. I will fight him. No doubt. Guaranteed. How desperate is Spencer to say that you're deluded, son? <laughs> yeah, but this guy is this guy is, this great but guy is one of the best promoters, if not the he's, best promoter he's of great. all time. He, I mean, for you show know. business, for making money, for everything. He's absolutely I had absolutely no appetite Changing the game. for a fight between Carl Froch and Jake Paul until Jake Paul said what he just said. <laughs> now now I can't wait to see it. So I suppose it's working, Dom. Yeah, great business. That's, listen, you just hit the nail on the head, really. That's why we're all in Saudi Arabia, because, you know, you're talking about Tommy Fury being a man that has had an amateur box, uh, boxing career. Not a great one, obviously, not a vast one, but he's had an amateur boxing career. He's unbeaten as a pro, eight fights, four inside the distance. He's fighting a guy that's only been in with an ex-NBA, ex-YouTuber, ex-MMA, and older guys as well. But we're all here because we're fascinated by this. Now, whether you're a boxing purist, a casual fan, or whether you just like the crossover stuff, you're here because it's like, what is going to happen here? Jake Paul, you sit in the room as we've just been sat in the room. And there's plenty more gems from that interview with Spencer, by the way, not just the Carl Froch one. So stay tuned. But you sit there and you look at, at Jake Paul talking the way he does and you believe in every word he says. We sat down with, with Tommy Fury. I've never seen him more relaxed, more confident. And again, listen out for the interview because he speaks so well about what he's going to do. He's in absolutely under no illusions. He's going to knock out Jake Paul early in this fight. So you're watching it all. And again, they've both been promoting it so well. I mean, Jake Paul is an incredible promoter. I mean, we've seen that in the way that he works with professional fighters like Amanda Serrano and other fighters that he's done very well for. So it's got us all here and everybody talking about it. And Jake Paul's still the favourite. Yet Tommy's the boxer. So work that out. Dom, when you meet Jake Paul, when, when, when you meet boxers, which we, they often are in and out of, of, of talk sport, and they carry an air of menace 
no matter how long they've been retired, they carry an air of uh, weight and, and menace and darkness with them and violence with them. D- does he carry that? I would disagree with what you've just said, Charlie, because my experience of meeting fighters, I found usually they're some of the most gentle uh, and some of the most caring, nice people you could ever meet. When they get in the ring, they are totally different animals. Now, we're not talking about Mike Tyson, who incidentally is in Riyadh for this oh. fight. You know, yeah, he, you know, there are certain, certain people that do carry that, but I've always found that most boxers are the, the best people you can meet. Now, Jake, again, was one of the nicest chaps you could meet. So, no, there's no menace. There's none of that. I mean, I've no doubt he means what he says in terms of he's going to try his very best to knock out Tommy Fury on Sunday night. But no, I don't get the menace. I don't get any darkness. But I, I, as I say, I, re- I rarely have seen that with fighters because I, I just think that they usually save the nastiness and the spite for in the ring. And out of it, usually absolute gentlemen and women as well. Maybe they don't like me. Yeah, I think they've taken against you, Charlie. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm, I'm quite a nice bloke, but I've got an air of menace when I'm around you. <laughs> I do, it must be you. The, um, who's got more to lose? I suppose on the face of it, it is Tommy Fury, isn't it? I mean, it's the Fury name he's taking in the ring. He's the boxer. He's had eight fights. He's a pro boxer in against a guy who is new to the sport and has come through just, you know, uh, a, a YouTube fighting. And has clearly got better and better at it, but... Um, um, but yeah, he's, Tommy's got far more to lose on the face of it, you would think. Well, when you think that you know, his, his brother Tyson saying that you know, basically can't come home if he doesn't win. When John Fury's saying Tommy's only here for a paid holiday, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. That's why I was really impressed actually with the demeanor of Tommy before and how relaxed and how super confident he is. Because, yes, no doubt about it, he's got the pressure on him. Jake Paul, you know, he's already reinvented himself a few times. He's a Disney star, he's this, that, and the other. Obviously, we know Tommy's had the celebrity background with Love Island and, and the influence and stuff as well. But no, I think obviously it, it would be so much worse, surely, for, for Tommy Fury. Uh, and Jake Paul will reinvent himself, no doubt about that. Should um, he get beaten? But, you know, he's got absolutely. No designs on that happening, that's for sure. The, uh, I, see, I like the idea of um, Tommy not coming home and celebrating his 60th birthday in Riyadh. And they're still there. 70-year-old... <laughs> Him and Molly May. 70-year-old Tyson saying, you're still not coming home, you dosser. <laughs> been, been, come yeah. on, let me come home. I've been there for 30-odd years. If you're Mike, not coming home. If Mike Tyson's there, maybe that's who Jake Paul fights next. Well, no, I'm going to fight don't Mark Tyson. I think you're fine. That's he a great fight. We don't watch that. He won't be calling him out in uh, <laughs> in any uh, any time soon. And what sort of crowd are we expecting? What's what's the venue like? Have you popped along with the venue like? Yeah, it's, so it's, 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 mm-hmm. which of course has seen the big fights before. You know, of course, the Brits have been over here, Joshua and and, and everything else. But it's six and a half thousand. It's outdoor. And what's really interesting as well, because obviously we've been running around today, crossing town and, and doing this, that, and the other. And when you're outside. It's very hot. It's far too hot for me. It's close. To, it's about 28, 29 degrees Celsius. Uh, what's that? That's late 80s, is it? I think in Fahrenheit or whatever. But then you, you, everywhere you go otherwise, it's super air conditioned uh, and all the rest of it. But outside at night, it's chilly. So on Sunday night, it's going to be actually, you know, a little bit chilly. It's certainly not going to be warm. It's not going to have any impact on the fight. There's not, not going to be any kind of heat to deal with, certainly from, from either guy's point of view. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's a it's jumper weather at night. Well, we look forward to the fight. Yeah. Uh, all we would say is we want you to come home, uh, as, as we do Tommy Fury, so just keep off the eggs at breakfast because we don't want testing you at the airport, Dom, whatever happens. That's a, that's another bizarre story of the day, of course, isn't it? Well, that uh, one of the governing bodies... Uh, and, and, has, yeah. Yep. As, sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Paul, but as you speak, Marissa Suleiman, uh, the president of the WBC, has just walked past us. And, of oh. course, there is a WBC belt on the line, by the way, oh, yes. after this fight on Sunday night. There's a new uh, Daria belt, but he's just walked past. Obviously, uh, Suleiman, in terms of this fight, the controversial stuff that he's done is say that Jake Paul could have a ranking mm. in the top 40 should he come through against Tommy Fury. Uh, but, of course, with the WBC and their their investigation and, and clearing the, the Conor Ben situation. Of course, that's been a talking point here, and I, as I know it has been at home as well. And if we do catch up with Maurizio, of course, we'll try and grab him and get a word. Yeah, I think, yeah it's not played, uh, yeah, It's quite interesting. that oh, the, the idea of the world ranking has not played particularly well, even with Frank Warren, who we spoke with the other day, and certainly Gareth A. Davis as well. So uh, yeah. it does seem a bit of an odd one. But look, the, the interest is there. As Charlie's been telling us, his 15-year-old son... Can't wait. He's can't really wait. Looking the only fight in town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. loves it. Only, all he can talk about. Absolutely. You- Listen, yeah, I, you're dead right. You're dead right. And that's why, you know, again, 
There's so many ears are going to be on this for TalkSport. And remember, this is free on TalkSport as well. And we're going to have so much more coverage of, of Fight Night. It's going to be 7 o'clock on TalkSport to 9 o'clock for the main event on TalkSport, of course. But we've got programs. We've got live shows coming Friday, Saturday and Sunday from here. We've got all the, we've got the Fight Night podcast as well. So there's so much content that we're, we're throwing your way as well. So uh, make sure you get to the YouTube channel as well and then subscribe to TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it is fascinating. But as you say about the, the younger generation, I mean, I, I had it myself with my kids and I think that they think, um, I don't know where they think I'm most weekends or in the week when I'm working, but this is the only time that they've actually been really impressed that I'm going to meet Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. You know, I've been, I've been mixing with world champions and this, that and the other. Yeah, whatever. Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. And then I get the big thumbs up. So it just... Tells you everything, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Dom. Thanks very much. All the best, lads. Dom McGuinness is your commentator on Sunday evening. Uh, Tommy Fury, Jake Paul, exclusively live on TalkSport this Sunday from 9pm. Following on from the Carabao Cup final, of course, Manchester United, Newcastle at 4.30. And you can watch the fight press conference over on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel at 5pm. I imagine it'll be quite lively. Is there, is there an undercard, Paul? Do you know? Is it like other other celebrities like Beppe from EastEnders, the Chico, not maybe Chico, or yeah, you know, maybe they're fighting. I don't know who's on the undercard. I don't know. I, I'll find out for you. Thank them. you that, very much. That's a fight I would like to see. <laughs> I'd like to know who's on the undercard. That's yeah. all. I don't know who's there. You're in East. Were well, you in EastEnders? No, I was. I was Tim Reynolds. Bring back, bring back Tim Reynolds. You never, you never got, you never fell off a roof, did you? No. Really? Booked for six episodes, did five. That's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. How did you leave the street? No, I'm still alive, Paul. Didn't leave in a black cab and I'm still alive. Okay. Not so, looking yeah. out the window of a tried black to cab or ki- falling off a roof. Tried to kiss Ronnie. Oh, mortifying. She was having none of it. Right. Yeah. And that was it. And that was you gone. Bring back Tim Reynolds. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. I'm sure people will be heading their pilgrimage to uh, 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 this sad time to go and yeah. see Motti's sheepskin. He was... You had to, I mean, as I said, attention to detail with Motley was all. And when we did the live show, the producer uh, in this London theatre, the producer of the live show said, I've got this idea and I want to put um, a single spotlight on a sheepskin coat and then you and Motty will come yeah, on. Lovely. You know? yeah, so yeah, we think, lovely. oh, that's a nice, that yeah. looked quite good. So we turn up to do the run, run through and we've not seen what they've done. And um, it's, in the, it's in the darkness and he's kind of showing us how it's doing. And he puts the single spotlight on. But the producer has basically just gone and got a sheepskin coat, not the kind of the longer coats that Monty had, the long sheep tailored as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah this, yeah. this was like a kind of Del Boy sheepskin yeah, okay, coat, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Slightly shorter, someone working on a market. Sell you a Ford Sierra. So John's gone into one and he's saying, Paul, that's the wrong coat. <laughs> he said, that's good. Luckily, I've bought one with me. Oh, fantastic. So we can put my, I don't mind my one going up there. Yeah. But there was no way he was walking onto that stage. <laughs> a bad with a, sheepskin. With a, with a, a David Jason style <laughs> sheepskin coat on a hanger with a single spotlight on it. They yeah. cost a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they were a couple of grand each, I think. The well, I, but think they, I think about that photo. They lasted for ages, he said. They would last him for a long time. Very well, Savile Row, I think they were. You look at it and you feel yeah. cold. Yeah. Because he's in a warm coat, yeah. <laughs> you feel warm. And you know, and, and great art is all about how you feel, isn't yeah, it? About yeah. what it makes you feel. And I think if you've stood in the cold on a football terrace, yeah. you look at that picture and you go, oh, he's wearing the right coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the right stuff on. Absolutely. Well done, Motti. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. I was saying I've been um, plundering a, a conversation I had with Motti before I did a live show mm. with him uh, in 2019. And we had a good chat. And uh, a few nuggets, a little stories we would come on to. And there was really one weird one. He'd, he'd done a commentary around West Ham. And uh, at the end of the commentary, uh, I think it was only a highlights commentary on Match of the Day, but he'd said something that John Lyle, the then West Ham manager, didn't like. Okay. And then he saw him the following week in the car park, I think, at Spurs, and was going to go up to him, as all the way all these guys did, yeah. ask what the team news was. And John Lyle said to him, You'll get nothing out of me, Motty. You're a bomberoo. Now, <laughs> so Monty thought, well, that that's probably some East London vernacular. Yeah, I'll look that up. And he, he said to me, to the day this was 2019, I've never been able to work out. I've never forgotten <laughs> what he called me. But it was definitely it was an, that. It was an insult. He wasn't happy. A he said, "You're a bomberoo." So I it's probably it's probably some old Billingsgate saying that he got from a distant uncle, with East London. But no, look, if you, if you know, yeah, let us know. But Motti never found out. He, he, he said, I, "I would go up and ask people, and ask other Western." I say, what, "What's a bomberoo? Why are you Nobody asking Motti? Because knows. John Lyle called me, and it's bothering me. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what it means. Uh, he was always. I don't know if I can quite say that this time of day. I can clean it up. 
He, I remember Marty telling me that um, when you knew when you were in Cluffy's bad books, oh, when yeah. you turned up to do a, a Forest or a Derby game, and um, if, you, if you're in his good books for whatever reason, how are you, John, and all this young yeah. man, he'd do all that. <laughs> but otherwise, he would shout down the corridor, Oi! S house. <laughs> that, that was his greeting. That was he it. said uh, from Cluffy. If you yeah. knew that you were going to get a, a, a bit of a mouthful, there's some love in that as well. That so, was yeah, there, you know. oh, there almost certainly was. Yeah. He told another great story of him and uh, Trevor Brooking at the World Cup in Japan, Korea, and they couldn't find anywhere to watch one of the island matches for whatever reason. They couldn't find anywhere open that had the game on, and they noticed a sort of TV tuned to a different channel in this closed cafe. Yeah, just tiny little cafe. I think they're in Japan, so they kind of knocked on the door of this cafe and kind of pointed at the telly, but she spoke no English, obviously no Japanese from their point of view, but they managed to get it understood. They managed to get her open her calf so uh, him and Trev could watch, uh, could one, watch of, the one of the island. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. So, oh, brilliant. Yeah, he was full of some great yards. Oh, you should um, dig those out. You should dig all that out, Paul. I'm sure yeah, you can. Yeah, so, as I said, you know. I, I now, you know, in, in moments like this, yeah. you know. And the show wasn't recorded, was the show? No, no I don't no, think no, it no. I don't think it was, no. But, you did, I mean, you know, he's, he, he did have some, uh, some great old stories, some great old war stories, John. But I'm sure many of them were told to Sam Matterface. Yeah. So do check out the chat he had with Sam, which uh, was on TalkSport 2 a little bit earlier on. I'm sure you'll be able to listen again and listen to that yeah. uh, conversation. David, the Walsall fan's been in touch. My favourite Motti moment was his commentary of Joe Cole's volley against Sweden mm. in the 2006 World Cup. He didn't say anything particularly memorable, but when his voice broke a little, during, he had that in him, didn't he? Now yeah. and again, his voice would sort of... Crack a little crack, bit, go a little yeah, bit yeah. higher. When his voice broke a little during his reaction, I felt that just for a brief second, he stopped being the consummate professional and became an England fan in amazement and wonder. Yeah. A majestic goal like the rest of us. Pure magic. That, as I said, yeah. you said earlier, like a fan with a microphone, but yeah. it's hard to make it sound like that and have all those facts as well. There was that thing, wasn't there, what he used to say that uh, the, one of the bosses at the BBC said, like, uh, Barry Davis was the kind of voice of the man in the stands and mm. Motti was the voice of the man on the... On the terraces, yeah, and he was a bit of a breakout star, especially at the BBC, because you know there was a BBC way. You yeah, know, he came from that sort uh, of area, Barry came from that that sort of background. Ken Walson and all these kinds of people, yeah. but Motti had, had a bit of a regional twang, didn't he? I yeah. mean, it was that sort of thing was happening on ITV, but not a lot on the Beeb. So yeah. uh, he was he was you know he was a bit of a, a pioneer. But um, I, I saw a little story today, Charlie, that made me think. Of oh you. yeah. Uh, Liverpool and Everton have been fined for failing to control their players in the Merseyside derby. And failing to control their players sounded like the perfect phrase for you when you play your 15-year-old lad at FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you play FIFA with him, yeah, you right, should be all, failed. All Sorry, wrong, you should yeah, be yeah. fined for failing fine. to control okay, your players. Yeah, exactly, I'm yeah. bad. I'm bad at that. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I am bad at Eric that. Eric Ten Hag has been uh, trailed by the... Uh, he's been papped this week. Has he? He was pap- well, he's been papped twice. Once having a bit of grub with Sir Alex Ferguson, which he opened talked about and said you know why would you not uh, kind of feed into this amazing man's uh, knowledge base when you're mm. the Man United manager so he there, always yeah. enjoys seeing him but they, somebody also uh, got him in Altrincham having his beard trimmed for tonight <sighs> Well, so he's going to look big match, isn't it? He's going to look well groomed. He will too, uh, Eric, it? when he turns that beautifully yeah. trimmed beard. Well, I wonder if they'll put his picture in the in the window of the of the head. Yeah, which is all the all the barbers wherever the barbers. To, yeah, know, they still so. do that, but they have the pictures yeah, of the. Picture. Uh, you can look like this, or you can yeah. look like this. One do those, those barbers still exist where they had a kind of a picture of someone from the 70s? If you want to have bear like <laughs> oh, yeah. Patrick Moa in the Sweeney or, or yeah. Peter Wingard. Yeah. That's the look. I'm, I'm looking for a Peter Wingard. Look him up, kids. Newton Abbott. Uh, in, in Newton Abbott growing up. They've still got Brimsons. Them. Yeah, you'd still... Yeah. Uh, you'd the old style barber. Brimsons, they would have pictures of people with uh, proper flat tops. Oh. <laughs> like a proper... That was their signature style. If yeah. you wanted a flat top... You went to Brimson's. Right. And that okay. was it. And like Did it you was... ever have a flat top no, in Brimson's? I, yeah, I had a flat top in Brimson's for a while, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. And then Dave left Brimson's. Oh, not, and op- oh, not he opened, Dave. And he opened Dave's. Oh, he opened Dave's? He opened Dave's not... down the road. So you didn't know so where to go for your flat top. Barber Wars. It did really it all, was. Did it all kick off? Bar, 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 <laughs> Barber Wars. Did it, uh, did it all kick off uh, between kick Dave off. And, and... They could... They could work symbiotically in the Who town. Was the, the town was big enough. He wasn't Dave Brimson. I don't know. I think I don't know if Brimson's is still there. 
right. I'm down there tomorrow, so I will, oh, I will yes. find out. You're right. I'm on tour tomorrow. Your tour starts, Charlie. Tour start. Well, let's call it a tour. It's 14 dates around the country. Well, I'll tour. Yeah, built around this radio show. Um, yeah, but we're in. It's Tim, called the show. It's called 24 Hour Pasty People. Has it got a bit of a West Country flavour? West Country flavour, but, uh, well, it's a pasty flavour. Um, Do you have that free pasty? What's, what's pasties available in the foyer? I'm thinking about it. I thought of having a pasty van out. If I if it was bigger, yeah. if it was bigger, well, make, yeah, make the money on the food like a football club. <laughs> exactly outside the venue. <laughs> so I owned the van. So as people came out, oh, that's not, not even the venue making the money. I'd sell the pasties. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great, Paul? Venue wouldn't be happy with that though, yeah, would no, it? If they're okay. basically walking through the foyer, not buying their snacks yeah, there, ooh, going pasty, straight pasty out. van out there. Yeah, I think you'll find it might be a, a shorter tour than fourteen dates. Charlie. Yeah, uh, twenty-four hour pasty people. Uh, there are tickets around the country if you want to go for Charlie Baker comedian or yeah. find me on Instagram. You can find me on there as well. You can find the get some tickets from there but it's it's selling out most places so that's nice but tomorrow we're in Tinmouth in South Devon and that's to, a to kick it off that's a sellout it's where I'm from Paul yeah so you know I've got triumphant I've got Talkie United fans will coming will you be cheered in and no, cheered no, out no 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 Talkie United fans coming old school friends coming mum and dad's friends it's like you a know, private party, really. More or less. It? I mean, yeah. if there's any strap, I'm looking forward to meeting the strangers in the audience. You've you also know. got the talkie manager and his assistant coming tomorrow night. They are for co- very kindly coming. Wow. Tomorrow night. So Gary Johnson and Aaron Downs will be there tomorrow night. Very, very nice. They can shout at me for a change. Rubbish. They're <laughs> going to be wearing their bench coats. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. GJ and AD on. <laughs> it's bad. Be... The first half's bad. First, comes, Gary comes in the dressing, dressing room, room and starts throwing teacups. Chucking teacups. <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> That was few, rubbish, Charles. Only missed a few punchlines. Stand up, stand up. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? That would be, that would be very funny. Yeah, it should be lovely. It does it should seem, be lovely. It does seem unlikely. So, where can people, if people want to come and see you, Charlie on tour? Baker comedian, go on there and you. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Baker comedy is my. Uh, yeah. website and Charlie Baker Comedian is my and Instagram buy, buy so tickets from there buy tickets and yeah I'm in uh, Maidenhead next week yeah. uh, where else am I going St. Austell oh, uh, yeah. Fairham mm. uh, Salford oh that'd uh, be good Birmingham yeah all over, all over the place. You You'll thought you were going to be clashing with Palace Brighton yeah, at yeah. one point? <laughs> yes, or my Brighton, Brighton Palace. My Brighton date, they've moved the date, actually. They've moved the match, so I'm yeah. quite pleased my, my Brighton date did clash with Palace Brighton. Brighton Palace. Yes. Sorry, which wouldn't have been great for me, if I'm honest, Paul. No. You know, so, uh, but they've moved that, so yeah. The Forge in Brighton. Excellent. That's a nice date, yeah. All right, so. well, Charlie, I'm going to come and see you on tour. I'm very much uh, looking forward well, to it. Well, very nice. Thank you very much. That's good. Undercard, so, we asked the undercard for the boxing, Paul. Yeah. Didn't we? Because, you know, we what the boxing. undercard is, yeah. Yeah, uh, Craig from Bradford's been in touch. Uh, Rebecca Vardy versus Colleen Rooney, yeah. of course. Oh, we don't uh, watch that. Uh, P- Piers Morgan v Jeremy Clarkson, yeah. Be nice. And then Sue Pollard v Julian Clary. I mean, we had what Sue in the other week. You wanted it to be celebrity based. She, she had quite a right hook. Yes, yeah, you look very good. So uh, there we are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Charlie starts his tour tomorrow. So. Uh, he's not with me, but making his first appearance as a co-presenter, mm. someone who's always a great guest on the show, is Sam Avery, Excellent. Evertonian comedian, yeah. podcaster, lovely guy, very, uh, very nice chap. They're always to... funny, so I think he'll be yeah. great, Paul. Yeah, looking forward not to too seeing good. Sam. I am. Um, you know, we'll have Stan Collymore joining us. Lots of top guests, as always, building up to uh, the rugby and the football and more at the weekend. Do hope you can join us for one. If not, the podcast will be available. Around four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. 
ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.